Welcome to Faith and Freedom Fighters. I'm Robert Muse, co-founder and senior counsel of the American Freedom Law Center. And I'm flying solo today. I'll be joined next week, God willing, by my fellow freedom fighter, co-founder and senior counsel, David Yurashami. You know, when we launched the American Freedom Law Center in 2012, we chose as our scriptural inspiration, Isaiah 4031, which states, quote, they that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on eagles' wings, end quote. You know, it was a perfect fit. Isaiah is a prophet from the Old Testament who, for Christians, prophesied perhaps more than any other prophet the coming of Christ. This fit with the fact that my colleague is an Orthodox Jew, and I'm a Catholic. The image of the eagle represented in this scripture passage is symbolic of America. Indeed, the soaring eagle reminds us of freedom. And hope in the Lord is reflected in our national motto, in God we trust. The remainder of the passage is also particularly relevant today, as we are confronted more than ever by the dark forces of the left. The passage continues, quote, they will run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint, end quote. We must continue to run the race and rely on God for our strength to persevere. You know, throughout salvation history, Nations that have turned their back on God have suffered the consequences. Our nation is no different. As I mentioned previously on this show, George Washington in his famous farewell address reminded us that religion and morality were the indispensable supports of our political success. You know, it's not surprising that totalitarian regimes like China persecute people of faith and that communism is at its core and in practice atheistic. It's not surprising that the left's agenda is godless in an attack on Judeo-Christian principles and values. Unfortunately, this attack on God is the trajectory of our nation, and the results are not good. To put it simply, without God, we do not have authentic freedom. Without God, we will no longer have the America we love, the America that is the symbol of hope to the world. But with God, all things are possible including a return to the America we love. So there is hope for our nation. That hope is real, and it requires us to turn to God. You know, last week we discussed, in the main, the draconian restrictions imposed upon our liberty during the current COVID-19 pandemic and how left-wing politicians are using this crisis and misusing science to maintain their tyrannical grip over our lives. Now, I want to continue that discussion briefly to highlight some of the litigation that we have engaged in here in my home state of Michigan. Michigan, like New York, Pennsylvania, and California, to name a few, has a left-wing governor who likes to control people's lives, Governor Gretchen Whitman, Whitmer. You know, this current pandemic gives her the opportunity to do so, and, and she's not missing out on it. A couple of examples. You know, we filed a, a lawsuit on April 1st of 2020, one of the first lawsuits, I believe, filed um, challenging these COVID-19 restrictions. We are representing a pro-lifer who was out on a public sidewalk in the city of Detroit. In fact, he was wearing a mask. He was social distancing. Uh, there was not too many people around him at the, uh, at the time. And uh, he was surrounded by 15 city police officers, <laughs> city of Detroit police officers who arrived in eight city police cruisers. And they issued him a criminal citation, the State of Michigan Uniform Law Citation for violating 
the governor's executive order, which was a misdemeanor. Because apparently at that time, you could not be outside of your home. And so he was surrounded again by 15 city of Detroit police officers who arrived in eight cruisers. So we filed a civil rights lawsuit against uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and, uh, and we prevailed. You know, on the, on the eve of our hearing on a preliminary injunction, uh, the governor, she caved, and we actually got a stipulated order signed by the judge, entered as an enforceable order that uh, permitted this First Amendment activity by the, by the pro-lifers. And in fact, uh, they also dismissed the, uh, the criminal charge against them. And since that, that lawsuit on, on April 1st, um, the governor has put in place, because she's required in light of this decision, that First Amendment activity was exempt from these, uh, various, uh, these various restrictions. And if you recall back uh, two weeks after this, uh, this case on around the middle of April, April 15th, um, there was that large protest outside of the uh, state capitol in Lansing, Michigan, and, and that was made possible by the fact that, the, um, that our lawsuit uh, required the governor to acknowledge that uh, First Amendment activity cannot be uh, restricted like she wanted to um, with her executive orders. Not long after that lawsuit, um, the governor issued, which was quite frankly, one of the most absurd uh, executive orders that I've seen in all of the executive orders we've, we've challenged um, during this current pandemic, Executive Order 2020-42. Um, she issued that and we filed the lawsuit on April 15th, challenging that executive order. It did things, for example, not allowing, uh, you know, landscapers to run their businesses. It allowed people to, uh, you know, to travel to and from uh, essential businesses, which included, you know, pet stores. So you could go out and buy goldfish food. Um, you could go to marijuana shops and purchase marijuana. You could go to liquor stores and buy liquor and lotto tickets. You could go to an abortion center and have an abortion, but you couldn't go to a uh, to a gun store and purchase a firearm, even though you have a Second Amendment right uh, Second Amendment right to do so. Um, she didn't allow things like outdoor sporting activities where you had a boat with a motor. Apparently, there was this idea that um, if you were driving to a lake and you wanted to go out on a on the lake by yourself in a boat, social distancing at its best. Um, along the way, you might have to stop, pick up gas, you know, fill a gas uh, container. And so if you touch the gas pump, you're gonna pass on COVID-19 to the next guy who comes along. She also restricted people from traveling from their homes um, down here in, in Southern Michigan to a lot of people have cottages up on, up on lakes up North in Michigan. They weren't allowed to travel from their home in Michigan to their cottage in Michigan. Now, if you lived in Ohio, and you had a cottage up north of Michigan, you could travel from Ohio to up north of Michigan. You could travel all the way from Florida up north of Michigan. You just can go from, from your home in Michigan to another home in Michigan. Again, absurdity, these, uh, these restrictions. Also, the, uh, uh, most, of the, most of the churches were shut down and I come from a large family. I have uh, 12 children and, and uh, 12 grandchildren and we like to gather on Sundays for um, for a meal, for fellowship, to worship as a, as a family. And, but under her order, we weren't allowed to do so. So we challenged all these various restrictions. And once again, on the, uh, on the eve of the hearing that we were going to have for a preliminary injunction, the governor yet again blinked and she rescinded all of these restrictions. I represented a landscaper, so he was able to go back to business. Um, I had uh, two, one, the landscaper and another client who had homes up north. They were allowed now to travel from their homes in, 
uh, southern part of Michigan to, to their cottages up in, uh, up in northern Michigan. Um, it was no longer uh, unlawful to travel to a, uh, to a gun store to purchase ammo or, or firearms. Um, and also, um, a private residence was considered a place of religious worship now, so that families like mine could gather and worship for uh, religious services. So a very good, uh, a very good outcome from that uh, from that particular lawsuit. So we've been having some success with these cases. I'll tell you, there was a there was a change in in the way that the courts were treating these. Um, if you recall uh, earlier this uh, this year, um, before the court changed over, before Amy Coney Barrett uh, was a justice, uh, John Roberts would be siding with the uh, the liberals on the bench and denying preliminary injunctions or requests for injunctive relief up to the Supreme Court, and in particular the um, the case in California where they shut down the uh, the churches and they went up to the Supreme Court and uh, Chief Justice Roberts. Um, you know, sided with the left and allowed the, the churches to be closed. That that changed a lot. A lot of the cases that we had following that um, followed uh, the Chief Justice's uh, thoughts on the COVID restrictions, and and we were started losing cases. And now things are shifting back again because with the change in the in the makeup of the Supreme Court, they're starting to grant more of these injunctions at the Supreme Court level, um, and uh, and allowing churches to operate and you know fundamental rights to be to be protected. Right. Somehow you can, you know, you can go shop at uh, at Home Depot or Walmart and, you know, walk up and down the aisle, but you can't, you know, walk between the aisles at a church and, and worship God. So in um, those so that that tide has been uh, has been shifting. And as we mentioned in the last podcast, we still have active litigation in New York, um, challenging Governor Como's uh, travel restrictions, challenging his and Mayor de Blasio's restrictions on uh, First Amendment activity in that state. And we have a challenge in Pennsylvania challenging their Orwellian contact tracing program and in uh, the mask mandate there. So I'm sure we'll be talking more about uh, this COVID litigation as it, as it continues to develop. I wanted to, uh, you know, I've been watching the news. You can't help but watching the news. It's almost like a train wreck or a car crash and you got to crane your neck and, and take a look at it. And sometimes it's unfortunate what you're, what you're seeing. But a couple of stories just kind of jumped out at me that I wanted to uh, just address uh, address briefly. You know, the, there's one here, it was a story, um, I believe it was uh, by Fox News, and the title of it is 108 illegal immigrants released by Border Patrol in Texas test positive for coronavirus, officials say. You know, it's it's amazing. Trump, it took, finally took President Trump to uh, for America to realize that we have a crisis at the border. Yet now Biden is undoing everything to make this, to make this crisis, you know, worse. And I, you know, I, as I said in prior prior shows, and and uh, you know, from the words of uh, left wing politicians themselves, they never let to, let a like to let a good crisis go to waste. Why? Because they use this crisis to create fear and panic, and and put in the minds of the people that the government is the way to solve all their solve all their problems, and it's just a way for them to control to control people to gain more more power. Right here, they are letting illegal immigrants right breaking the law, coming into our country, breaking the law positive for a coronavirus and just letting them loose in the state of Texas, right? And quite frankly, I think there's some, uh, you know, Texas announced recently they're going to open up fully again sometime in March, I believe it was March 10th. And I can't help the cynical side of me uh, think that, look, this is just a way they're going after this, um, you know, this Republican state is, you know, we'll make sure we'll release, you want to, you want to release, open up these, re, uh, the, the economy and Get rid of these restrictions on COVID-19 and make the rest of us look bad. Well, we're going to flood your 
you know, fudge your, your, your cities and towns with COVID positive uh, illegal immigrants. I mean, it's just crazy. And, you know, this is a, this is a national security and a public health issue. And unfortunately, you know, the left is using these people, right? They're using them for their own personal gain, their own uh, ability to gain and maintain power, right? Because they're, they're buying voters. That's what they're doing. And you look at these, you know, the legislation they're trying to pass now for um, there's, you know, these uh, new voting regulations, which essentially is going to, you know, open it up so that anybody can practically, you know, vote. And, you know, certainly you invite all these uh, illegals across the border, not doing anything to enforce our laws because they are breaking the law and, you know, promising them a lot of, uh, you know, freebies that are going to come at the, on the, at the cost of us taxpayers, right? And so it's creating a magnet, drawing all these people across the border. And, you know, they fully anticipate that they're going to vote for the uh, liberals who are the ones that have given them all the, uh, you know, all these goodies for free. You know, it's, it's terrible. And, and, it's, and it's creating a huge, huge human, human uh, you know, tragedy, human, the human trafficking and everything else that's going on. You know, somebody, you know, they always talk about, well, we may need to make a pathway to citizenship, a pathway to citizenship. Well, there is. There is a pathway to citizenship. It's called legal immigration, right? We have a process in place for people to do this legally. You know, if we don't have a secure border, we don't have a country. It's as simple as that. You know, and I, I saw somebody had had written somewhere and I, I thought this was it was appropriate. Right. They always give us a hard time about, uh, well, there's no such thing as as an illegal person or, you know, they like to you know just call them an undocumented immigrant. And, and somebody made the point that that's like calling a drug dealer an unlicensed pharmacist. Right. So this this issue, this problem at the border is just going to continue to get worse and worse. And, you know, you feel for these, these people in those, in those countries that are trying to make a better life for themselves, but we have laws for a particular reason, right? And there's a way for them to become a citizen of the United States and to do so legally. And uh, we need to make sure we're enforcing those laws. Now, in line with this, um, I, there was another story that I, that I saw again from Fox News. The Biden administration locks ICE Twitter account. So the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, locked one of its Twitter accounts Tuesday, halting all public safety alerts on illegal migrants in the U.S. with criminal backgrounds. The account, created in 2013 and bolstered under the Trump administration, was used to post details about known fugitives, including their name, nationality, criminal history, and the U.S. jurisdiction where they were released. So it was a way for ICE to send out alerts and notices when there, you know, there may be a bad guy in your in your neighborhood, and this is a uh, this is a quote from a former senior advisor to ICE in response to this. He said, "quote It seems the Biden administration locked ICE alerts because if you were to report the location of one of these dangerous aliens to ICE, it would become too obvious that these assaulters, drug dealers, thieves, and drunk drivers." are now allowed to go free under Biden's policies, end quote. It's exactly right. I mean, when you think they're, they're putting in place policies, they're going to create anarchy. I mean, it's just, and, and one of the things that I, I just saw on the news today was the, um, you know, they're, they're working on legislation as they had promised to defund the police, right? This anti-police legislation. I mean, it's crazy that if you defund the police and you reduce these police forces, the only people are going to be harmed by it are the poor, right? They claim to be wanting to help out the, the poor in these, you know, in these, in these neighborhoods and these largest, large cities throughout the United States, mostly run by left-wing politicians who have failed their people time and time again. And their, their way of doing it is to 
reduce the police force? Are you kidding me? You think that's what the people actually want? Of course not. Of course not. You know, one of the things they want to put in there, and I, as you, you probably know, and uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, American Freedom Law Center, we're a nonprofit public interest law firm. Uh, the type of litigation we do is principally civil rights litigation under Section 1983, 42 U.S.C. 1983, um, federal statute that protects uh, civil rights. And one of the things they want to get rid of in this new legislation is they want to get rid of qualified immunity, which is which protects police officers from being uh, liable for damages um, if they so long as they don't violate clearly established law, which a reasonable person would have known. That's what the standard is. So it provides some protection for the uh, for the officers. But if you if you really want to you know stop any of the systemic police abuses, you know the, the way you stop it is you go after the, you know, you, you stop it by going after the deep pockets, the municipalities, the cities and the towns, right? Because they have this, there's in civil rights litigation, there's a, or in civil litigation in general, there's a concept called respondeat superior, which essentially means the master is liable for a servant. So for example, you own a company and one of your workers during the course of his employment, you know, harms somebody, well, the company can be liable for the actions of the, uh, of the, employee of the employee, right? Under a theory of respondeat superior, but it doesn't work that way for civil rights. It was a case that was decided by the Supreme Court in 1978, Monell, where they said that in order for the municipality to be liable for the bad acts of one of its, uh, you know, one of its employees, whether it be, you know, as the, for example, the city of Detroit to be responsible for the bad act of one of its police officers, um, actions that it took in the course of his, his duties as a police officer, in order for the municipality to be liable, you'd have to point to a specific policy that was the moving force behind that violation, which is very hard to do. Because most of these cities, their policies are, you know, CYA policies written by lawyers. And they, you know, essentially throw the officer, uh, you know, under the bus. But if you want to, if you really want to stop systemic police malfeasance. And I can tell you, my 20 years of doing litigation, and we're just right outside of Detroit, I've seen far more police malfeasance against pro-life demonstrators who are peacefully exercising their First Amendment rights outside of abortion centers than I have police malfeasance against somebody because of, you know, race was an issue. But in both circumstances, if the police act improperly and violate their rights, the way you, the way you stop that is you don't just try to go after the you know, the shallow pockets of a, of a police officer is you make the municipality liable for their actions under a theory of respondeat superior. You get rid of this, um, you know, Manel liability where you only can hold a municipality liable if there is a, uh, if there's an actual policy that the officer was following. So if you want to, you know, make some changes in section 1983, the civil rights statute, and you want to stop any type of systemic police malfeasance, whether it be based on race or whether it be against pro-lifers, or, or some other, uh, you know, community that they that might be targeted um, for the malfeasance. The, the way to do it isn't with qualified immunity. The way to do it is with municipal liability. So if they were serious, but you know, of course, you know, these municipalities where all these problems are taking place, they're run by left-wing, you know, Democrat left-wing tyrants who are, you know, destroying their own cities. But they don't want to be liable if somebody in their police force. Uh, does something wrong. They just want to make the police officer liable. And that's, uh, that's wrong. That's a wrong way to do it, in my view. And one other, uh, one other story that I want to address, and it's kind of tied into these other two. You know, you had, uh, the story was reported that there were two illegal aliens who are uh, breaking into a home. Uh, the home was occupied by a 
a home alone 11 year old girl <laughs> and uh, they probably thought they were going to have uh, you know an, an easy go of it and robbing this house well two things that they didn't consider one they were in montana and two this uh, 11 year old girl is also a clay shooting champion since she was nine so when these uh, when these two thugs decided to break into the home after they broke illegally into the United States, they decided to break into this home. This young girl quickly ran and grabbed to her father's room and grabbed a 12 gauge Mossberg 500 shotgun. One uh, came up the stairs towards her. She blasted him. He died from his wounds. Uh, the other one was at the bottom of the stairs. She blasted him and he eventually died from his wounds. And come to find out one of the illegal aliens had a 45 caliber handgun on his possession apparently stolen during another robbery that they, uh, that they were involved in. Um, and in that other robbery, um, someone was actually stabbed to death. So this, uh, this young girl um, exercising her Second Amendment rights, protected her home, protected herself, and quite frankly, protected the community from these, uh, you know, from these, uh, these uh, thugs who, um, you know, who are obviously uh, uh, criminals who made it somehow through our porous border under the uh, under this Biden administration, you know there's a there's a lot going on right now. This this administration is unbelievable, and the and the legislation that they're trying to pass, whether it be um, changing the voting laws, defunding police, I mean it's they're they're really doing the best they can to undermine our our democracy. But you know we can't uh, we can't let them do it. You know, we got we to gotta fight back at every opportunity we can, um, even like that 11-year-old girl, you know, when she had these two criminals at her in her home, you know, defending herself. But, you know, it goes back to when I when I opened. I don't want to uh, leave you with a uh, without optimism, without hope, because there's always optimism. There's always hope, right? Because we they that hope in the Lord will renew their strength, will soar in eagles' wings, as uh, Isaiah 40, 31 says. And so... Just always keep the hope, always keep the faith and know that that with God, all things are possible. You know, it's going to be, uh, nobody said it was going to be easy, right? And uh, and it definitely is not easy right now with, with the, way things are, the way things are going. But I, I do, one of the things that I, I, I keep thinking about is that, you know what, how far will the left go? You know, they keep, the more, the more they expose themselves, the more the American people can see what they're all about. Because you know all these things, Biden wasn't vetted by the media when he was when he was a candidate. You never saw him. Right? He, he hid out in his basement, and now they're coming out in in full light, right? And and light is one of the best disinfectant. And uh, there was you know seventy five million whatever the number is who voted for President Trump, who voted for America First uh, agenda. And I think there's far more Americans who uh, who want to you know follow that agenda america first than this left-wing anarchist you know uh globalist agenda which is which at the end of the day is evil and it's godless there's just no other way to uh to address it so keep the faith everybody out there you know we're going to keep fighting and you know unfortunately this is uh this is all the time i have uh, today and and we do look forward to our next discussion and and having uh, david yurashami join us for that and i thank all of you for for joining me today and please know that we, the American Freedom Law Center, will continue our relentless fight for faith and freedom. So may God bless you, and may he continue to bless America.